Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where the holidays are in full swing, and both of us are kind of sick this week. But anyway, we're here. I'm Void. I'm here with my co-host, Beige. I'm a little sick, I think, so we'll see how this goes. A little bit, yeah. I managed to transition smoothly from a stomach flu right into a chest cold, so this is this is not a great month for me so far. But that's beside the point. Oh. We're here. We're talking about holidays today. So um, this is kind of your topic. What did you want to start with? Um, really just, this is a time of year that's really bad for me. This is the, the, the time change messes with me. It getting dark really early where I live. I'm not sure about where you, you are, uh, just in terms of when the sun sets, it's dark at five o'clock here by five 30, it is completely dark. And I wake up in the morning and it is dark that here in uh, just um, it's right below Nashville, uh, so it is like just dead center of Tennessee, just like straight down. So it it just gets dark and it messes with me, and so I get a lot of anxiety from this. I have various things going on um, with family stuff. You ha- always have family drama around the holidays, so just being able to cope and be able to decompress during December and January and and most of November is really, really important for me. And I figure if it's important for me to figure out ways to do that around the holidays and still get in all of the geeky stuff that I love while being overwhelmed with everything else... I kind of figure that other people are trying to find a good balance and strike, you know, some sort of really strike some sort of balance to get their their holidays under control and actually enjoy them. So, yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about. Cool. Yeah. And I think um, what you said about, like, finding time to decompress is kind of a big part of it, because, like, I don't know, for me, I don't, we don't even have anything that crazy. Like, I know we, we were talking over Thanksgiving. You went to, like, four, three different places over two or three days. Three this year. Yeah, yeah it was it was actually great this year because it was on, it was three days of Thanksgiving where we have one a day where we have one get together a day when usually we have multiples in one day where we get to stay somewhere like an hour and a half and go and drive an hour and go somewhere else and then move to another one. Sometimes we have three or four on one day. And you have like six things for Christmas, did you say? Usually, yeah. So it's they're getting more spread out this year as well just because of people's schedules. So Jennifer and I might actually have a Christmas day to our or a Christmas Eve to ourselves this year, which will be pretty cool to be able to do or at least most of the day to ourselves. Yeah, we we tend to just stay in town and then um both sides of our family, my side and my wife's side are both very close to us. So it makes it pretty easy to just go do like half a day with each of them and then we're kind of done yeah which is really really nice so we don't have anything too crazy um but i mean the holiday time in general decompressing i find is like important especially um for me the last three years or so the only actual time off that i have a solid block of it like a week is the holidays between christmas and new year's because as a freelancer when i'm juggling a ton of clients i never know who's gonna need what on what day and I'm always right. kind of on call on any workday. So the only time that I know that basically everyone is out of the office for every single one of my clients is that week between Christmas and New Year's. And then usually you can kind of fudge a couple of days on both sides of that, too. So you get like a week and a half. But I mean, that's been my only true vacation for the last three years now. And yeah, I, I try to enjoy it. I try to decompress. Um, I try to do 
more video games and i really try to make time for reading like uh uninterrupted time to yes. just read a book for hours on end because i don't get that a whole lot with the age my kids are and with my workload and stuff and so i do read i mean i read all the time i pick away at books but i don't ever get to sit down for like hours and hours and just read consistently unless i have a big break so that's kind of one of the main things i try to do and this one's new for me because I do the same things as you. I mean, I don't have the kids going on and running around and, and requiring my attention, but I usually try to read a lot over Christmas break. And I say Christmas break because that's what I've had until now. I've always had a Christmas break. This is the first holiday where I'm starting to work and freelance and do things like this, where I'm not going to have four weeks of uninterrupted downtime to be able to play video games and to read and catch up on things and work on side projects. So it's going to be new to me to actually do what you're doing and find that time to sit and read as opposed to, oh, this is what I've always got. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to sit here and play. I'm going to sit and play an MMO. And then when I get tired of that, I'm going to go to an armchair and read an entire Brandon Sanderson novel and not stand up for three days. It's that's something that's always been really important to me. And I'm going to have to learn how to not do that. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess if you've been on that school schedule while you've been a professor, that's that's crazy. I didn't even think about that. You must have had lots of nice breaks and you have summers off. I knew oh. that, but I didn't really think about the holiday implications. Yeah, I mean, and going straight in from, you know, elementary school, high school, college, grad school and directly into teaching. This is literally the first time since I'm five years old that I haven't had a break from school during the summer and the winter. Wow. That this that it is insane for how much this is going to be. And it hasn't really hit yet because I would still be in school right now. But come around Christmas when I'm still looking for clients and working on articles and things like that, it's going to be a real adjustment for me where I'm going to have to take the time to decompress from the newness of that stress. Interesting. So I, I know you travel a lot more than I do during the holidays. Like even if it's not super far, you're still going around a lot of places. Do yeah. you do a lot of like, like what do you do on the go to decompress like gaming or uh, do you do anything traveling or are you too busy traveling? You know what I mean? Uh, generally, I do little things in the car. Like I'll download short stories a lot onto my Kindle or I make sure I have a list of articles on it used to be Instapaper and now it's um, what is the one I use pocket, I believe, or Twitter or save things like that where I can read stuff as we're driving. Sometimes Jennifer and I talk a lot, honestly, during the drives where we catch up on things that we may not have been able to talk about. I've brought video games and things like that where even though we only have an hour to an hour and a half, it's a really good time to just sit and not have to do anything. So I'll read comics on my Kindle, actually, or use Marvel Unlimited, where it's very easy to take a couple of panels, get into a conversation, and then go back to reading a couple of panels or pages going through digital comics on my phone as we're driving. That has really, really been awesome for me. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, when we do actually have to travel, it totally interrupts our routines, which that doesn't sound like a big idea thing unless you have kids and then you know how much that really messes with you like traveling with kids is way more work than staying home with your own kids oh yeah it's it's insane like 
travel ever since we've had kids is it's like having a second job almost like it's not relaxing in the least and our kids are finally getting to the age where it's like in the next year or two it will get better because they'll be able to kind of like do their own thing when we're at grandma's house and you know chill out without constantly needing us to help them out or check on them or break up fights or whatever but we're not quite there yet so yeah um the fact that we don't do a whole lot of travel around the holidays is really nice and then like do you so when you're traveling when you're in the middle of all the holiday craziness do you try to keep up on like social media and keeping in contact with people or do you just let it go i try to keep up with social media a lot i really enjoy that over the holidays because you're you're the same way i believe in terms of you want to talk to these people and i want to I want to talk to these people, and I want to know how their holidays are going. I really want to know how Steven's holiday is going. I want to know how Chris is doing over the holiday and things like this, and that's why I want to keep up. I like seeing these kinds of updates that people are having and, and seeing what kind of gifts they get and what they gave their families and all of that. And it's really actually hard because, you know, you're sitting and talking to the people who you care about online, but you're at your in-law's house and you're just tired after this giant meal. So you're sitting messing around on your phone. And so you look like you're being a jerk, but you're really hanging out with your friends and and talking to them. And so it, it kind of it's a hard balance to strike like that. So a lot of what I used to do, we don't have to stay with people anymore, but we will spend entire days when I used to have to spend the night with people, I would bring stacks of books and then spend as much time as I could with the families that as I was there. And then as the night wore on, I would just excuse myself and then stay up late reading to decompress. And so what I do now, since I can't do that in the afternoons after meals and things, I'll sit on my phone a little while and read part of something on my Kindle app or read one of those comics or get on social media and start talking to people that way because it does doesn't feel it doesn't feel nearly as much like the intense socialization that you get from sitting in a family room having the kids running around in the background trying to hold a conversation and keep people's attention like that so that's a really way, way that I keep up with social stuff and try to balance it that's cool yeah I find that I have like more time than normal to actually keep up on Twitter I mostly ah. just do Twitter so it's it's nice to find out what people are doing for the holidays and it's kind of cool that everybody is off of work at the same time because you're a lot more likely to have random conversations about interesting things that aren't work during the day you know whereas um, like during the week yeah. during a weekday if you're on Twitter a lot of people are kind of like oh this was cool at work or like this was not fun at work you know and you kind of like support each other and then at nighttime you usually get more interesting conversations or first thing in the morning whereas uh, yeah Yes, I love first thing in the morning Twitter. Yeah, whereas like in the holidays, like the couple weeks in there, you get a lot of just like random fun conversations all day, every day, because people are all over the place with schedules. So I like that a lot, a lot about it. Yeah, and night Twitter is one of the things that I actually don't do a whole bunch of because that tends to be family time. So just the difference, like you were talking about in these random conversations that a lot during the day I'm so used to and it feels like there's a bit more personal conversation going on about work about things in your family life about just just life in general and then when nighttime comes that's the stuff i'm not used to when it comes to social media right now so it's it's a complete disconnect where when during the day during the holidays it's like weird for me it's like like you said it flips around and because of people's schedules and i'm like oh this is new and interesting let's see what's going on here yeah yeah that's cool um and then like 
as far as the holidays go, do you have like family traditions too? Like around, you know, do you have anything major? Because like we did when I was a kid, we definitely had holiday traditions. And now that my wife and I have kids and we're adults, we haven't quite landed on our traditions yet. So uh, it's part of it is that um, my mother-in-law is a nurse. And so her schedule is different every single holiday season. We don't know which day she'll have off and if she'll actually have the holiday off or if we have to like move the holiday to a day around it. So we can't ever structure Thanksgiving or Christmas in a certain way every single year because in any given year that could get thrown off. And um, my family is like super accommodating because like my mom's retired. My dad's close to retirement. um, My brother has a very flexible schedule. So it's like we look at what my wife's family is doing based on the nurse schedule and then we move everything else around it. And then it just kind of works. But it's also meant that ever since like I've gotten married to my wife, we haven't ever been able to get into an actual tradition like schedule thing. We always do this on Christmas or we always do this on Christmas Eve because we don't know how it's going to go. Yeah, we don't have a full on tradition for the holiday itself because of just the craziness of the same thing that you had of scheduling around. Like my mother-in-law works at uh, the Walmart bakery and thank goodness she is going to be able to quit at the end of this year. Uh, It's a terrible environment. Um, anybody who works at Walmart understands that. So not even bad mouthing that, but, uh, she's, she has a really weird schedule where she has to get up at like 2 AM to be in and make all of the donuts and things like this. So it, we have to look at when she's working on and working off when she's going to be able to be at home to do the Christmas morning thing and whether or not she's having to work Christmas Eve and all of this same for Thanksgiving. And then, so Jennifer and I will try to take christmas eve morning to do our presents and things like that and then move on for whatever holiday stuff we have and we'll take a couple of hours to chill during the morning mess with our new stuff that we've gotten or even if we don't mess with the stuff we've gotten just kind of relax and spend time together or spend time apart because we uh we end up having to be around so many other people for the rest of the days that we're like we try to get our uh, recharge time in that way occasionally on christmas eve morning the main thing that we do that i absolutely love is while we're decorating the tree we use an artificial tree in our main for our main tree and then we get a real tree to stick in a second room and like the den and but when we're doing the main tree we're putting up we're decorating we're doing all of this we put on a terrible 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 Christmas movie. We always watch a Hallmark Christmas movie or an ABC Family Christmas movie. This year it was Small Town Santa starring Dean Cain. I think last year was the 12 Dates of Christmas. One year it was 12 Christmas Wishes for My Dog. And just these absurd holiday movies that we watch that we know are going to be terrible films, but they're just so goofy and fun that we have that we watch them. Yeah, actually, now that you mention it, my wife and I usually watch Love Actually at least once during the holiday season, Uh. if not three or four or five times it's it's like a really bad movie that's really good also yes (laughs) yeah and that's one where i we've watched it for the holiday and that one is too much of a quality film for our uh for our Christmas tree decorating. Oh, okay. That I we, can see that. We like low-budget, terrible, like, sci-fi-level movies for Christmas. Cool. Cool. I get... That's fun. That could be funny. Oh, yeah. It's silly. I mean, we don't think they're good movies by any means, but that, but that kind of thing, it makes... It, it means something to us because we are... We're weird people, and we like, as we call it, dumb stuff. 
<laughs> nice. Well, I mean, in other terms of like traditions, like I said, we don't have any really like family centric um, around the holiday tradition. But I would say that like when it comes to gaming, I do more gaming yeah. with my kids. I do more like sit down next to them in front of the TV and play. The last couple of years, it's been like Mario, Mario Kart, Smash Brothers, kind of whatever Wii U games that are evergreen that they really like right. and they play a lot of. So I do get more gaming time with my kids, which is really fun. Um, and then like. Uh, do you play certain games this time of year? Because I know a lot of people do, and I kind of tend to sometimes. I I play adventure games and MMOs. I tend to either want some kind of story, or I tend to want some sort of exploration. That, for some reason, that is what I get into every holiday season. I don't know if it's being trapped inside more with the winter blues or not, but I'll play. I've played Skyrim and spent hundreds of hours playing Skyrim during December. I have spent when the Old Republic, not to yeah, it was just the Old Republic when it came out. I was one of the first people to log into that game and just played it all Christmas break. I've done World of Warcraft expansions, catching up on them during during the Christmas break. Right now I'm playing Wildstar. I just want to do ex- I just want to explore and have fun and and live in a different world while it's so dreary and terrible outside and that kind of helps my anxiety, helps my mood where I don't feel that cabin fever and claustrophobia that I tend to. Yeah, yeah. I, so like I said, I play more Nintendo games and like Mario and stuff with my kids. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. I mean, that's a that is I totally get doing that if there were more people around i would be doing the same thing yeah we played disney infinity last night with a bunch of people around cool yeah and but then for myself like i think i tend towards it's i never land on one exact game but i do tend towards mmos and like single player rpgs so i think just rpgs in general and it's probably the same reason you do just kind of a different world something to escape the the dark and the cold and the snow because it's the same up here i mean i think i might actually be at a higher like northern latitude than you uh, oh yeah yeah so i might actually have less sun by a little bit not a whole lot but yeah it, it's true. it's the same thing you know like getting into a different world is nice sometimes last year at this time i was still going through my final fantasy project i was almost at the end so i was big into i think i was just finishing final fantasy 13 and then i was starting final fantasy 14 if i remember right okay um so yeah you hit both of them doing that you were able to do the single player game and the mmo with a good storyline during your winter break during yeah. your winter vacation there. that was either it was either last year this time or two years ago but yeah it was this time of year is the thing and i'm kind of getting that itch right now so the thing is i just played final fantasy 15 and i'll talk about it at the end i don't want to spoil it for anyone but i did beat it and that was like that was perfect it totally scratched the itch of having an rpg in Mm. a different world and i beat it and i did a ton of end game content and then i like played the ending again and now i'm like okay i'm in the mood for this type of thing and now i'm kind of having trouble finding what i want to play like do i want to go back to something like world of warcraft or do i want to try something new like you just talked about wildstar or do i try like a different mmo i've never touched or go back and give eve online a shot again like i don't really Ah. know which way i want to go with it but i do have that itch to try to get into one of these games and the thing that i found that was actually kind of interesting i was looking up like current best mmos 2016 you know like just googling (laughs) just seeing like what options are in case i wasn't thinking of anything top of mind and it's kind of amazing a lot of mmos haven't come out in the last like three or four years it seems like almost everything launched before 2013 like 2012 and earlier from everything that i was seeing for all of the major mmos and 
I guess that's just kind of a trend. Like we have MMO like games, you know, things like Destiny, stuff like mm-hmm. that that are kind of some MMO elements, but we don't ever we don't really have any new true MMOs on the market in the last few years. And I wonder if that is a market saturation thing, if it's a I just don't know. I just it could be that they don't make any money that with World of Warcraft still being the 800 pound gorilla that it's I just don't know what it why they don't make them anymore. It takes so long to get through development. It's just so time consuming. I don't and a lot of the newer ones have just not been received well. Yeah. I mean, the the most fun I've had in the last few years with an MMO was Final Fantasy 14, which is really, really good. And then beyond that, I mean, my best memories are of WoW. But then last time I dipped my toe in, I felt like it hadn't aged very well. Like it hasn't really changed. It's the same game. I don't know Mm -hmm. if I really want to get invested in it again, but I have heard a lot of good things about the latest expansion. So I might check it out. I'll probably check it out, honestly, but I don't know if I'll stick with it. I'll definitely let you know when I when I do it and I play through it, but I'm not there yet. Like I said, the last week has basically just been Final Fantasy 15 for me. Oh, I was going to say, which still blows my mind that you beat it so quickly that to me, when you said that you had beaten it and I'd not realized that you had been sick and and still still recovering from that. But all of a sudden, like two days later, like I'm done with Final Fantasy for Final Fantasy 15 now. And I'm like, what? Yeah. After all that time? Yeah, we'll talk about that at the end in Geekery. Like I said, I don't want to spoil anything mm. for people who want to stay spoiler-free. But th- the one other thing that I know you had mentioned when we were talking about holidays in general is that in the past, you've worked on side projects a lot this time of year, which yeah. to me is kind of crazy because like a real break like this is a time for rest and a time to do what I want to do. It's not a time to like push forward with a side project. Um, yeah. If I'm seriously working on a side project, I find a way to incorporate it into my daily schedule. And then I take weekends off and I take holidays off, you know, like if it's not something that can just become part of my life, then it's not sustainable in my mind, you know? So yeah, I totally see that. So that's kind of my thinking. But do you get very productive this time of year or I usually get really productive and I'm not sure if that's a good thing. Like you mentioned Uh, over the last year, I've realized that I have a lot of really negative habits for productivity that go into the hypomania for bipolar two. And my counselor has been working with me on doing exactly what you said, incorporating it through my daily routine instead of having set times where I try to fit in like four different projects at once and have an end goal that is impossible to, to work on and impossible to, to actually reach and attain. So what I'm doing right now in terms of side projects is I'm working on like two things and I have my job where I'm working on stuff, and then I have my other projects that I'm still doing during the day that I'm having a harder time disconnecting from because I'm used to working on them at all times during this to be able to push them out before I have to go back to work. So I'm working on transitioning into what you're doing. Sweet. Oh, that's cool. Uh, It's good to kind of move into, you know, if you want to make steady progress, you have to figure out a way to just incorporate it in. And then if you can do that, then you know, you don't have to push extra progress during the holidays. And then you can actually take a break, which is probably good for mental health. It really is. Because my problem usually is that by the time I've worked my 40 hours and drove back and forth, I didn't want to do anything at night whenever I was I couldn't do it at work. So whenever I got home, I didn't want to spend another two or three hours pushing forward a side project, no matter how much it was going to help me down the road. So now I'm able to spend an hour or two during the day to work on it or, you know, 
do something online at night when we're when Jennifer and I are together and just messing around on the on our phones or watching TV or something. I can do research that way, and it seems to be a lot more sustainable right now. Where I'm going to really be digging in this month on a single project in my spare time, as opposed to trying to start up like four and not be able to do any of it. Yeah, yeah, cool. That's good that you're kind of making the transition over. Um, but besides that, like, I know this was kind of your topic you want to talk about. Was there anything else that we didn't hit that you wanted to mention, just the holidays in general? Well, I've been thinking a lot about it in terms of, like, reading. And I know that, like, you end up reading a lot anyway. And you've said that you don't get extra time, but with the week off, do you not make time to do that during the holidays? Do you get, is there anything you do specifically to catch up on things that you don't get to do enough of during the year oh not really because i still have kids so like the kids schedule doesn't change you know the fact that like we're watching them the majority of the day so i don't actually get that much more time off i just have less going on in my head as far as like productivity for work reasons and client projects and stuff like that so i think that just contributes to it you know but on an off day it's not when you're a parent you never really have an off day you know unless like someone comes and takes your kids away for the day like grandparents or the other parent takes them to go do an activity for the day you don't really ever have days off um it's just less stressful than a work day it's just a different structure to the day but you know my kids are up before us most days and they do a little bit of quiet time in the middle of the day which gives us a tiny bit of a break but really it's like from the time that we wake up until the time the kids go to bed it's mostly just like watching the kids and when I do that, I can I can do stuff on my phone. I can maybe read a little bit of a book on my phone, um, but I don't do a whole lot of gaming during the day. You know, it's mostly just like hanging out with the kids. If it is gaming, it's something casual that I can put down really easily. Like I don't mind if I, you know, like dip out in the middle of a Hearthstone match or Overwatch right. or something like that. I, I don't have time to like dig deep into something that has a story or something I need to pay attention to with like all of my effort because I just can't because most of my like attention even if I'm doing other things it's split with like paying attention to what the kids are doing or breaking up them fighting with each other because they're siblings and it happens and you know all that kind of parenting (laughs) stuff that you just have to do that makes a lot of sense I mean I don't have to deal with any of that so I'm able to to focus on stuff I've wanted to so I don't know. It's just that's an interesting way of looking at it that I can't really understand, but I love hearing about. Yeah. Until you are a parent, like it's hard to understand that it's all day, every day, no matter what. And yeah. you just do it and it becomes part of life. Like it's not I mean, I don't you know, I don't regret it. I'm not mad about oh, it. No. It's just like it's the way it is and it's the way it's going to be for a while. Um, as they get older, they get more self-sufficient and it changes like parenting is always changing. But still, it's it's just something that like no matter what, it's kind of just an undercurrent to my life. It's just always there. Yeah. And I know we you had mentioned earlier about your routines and stuff like that, that you know, I'm big on routines. The holidays tend to interrupt that for me, that I have my stuff I do in the morning. I have my stuff I do midday. I have my stuff I do at night. And I tend to be very rigid in this is what I do. That That is a, a personality thing that I've always dealt with, where when it comes to eating, I eat coffee and oatmeal every morning. I eat this, I eat a peanut butter sandwich for lunch and I go along. And the holidays mess with that. They mess with my exercise routine. They mess with my gaming routine. In the mornings, I tend 
tend to get up after I eat. I'll get on my computer, play whatever it is that I'm doing for a little bit, and then I'll get to work. As I've, I've woken up, I'm ready, I've gotten my mind going. And the holidays completely mess with it, where I'm having to travel. I may be having to deal with different kinds of bills. I may be having to, to do shopping during that time. I may have to take care of cleaning or decorating or whatever it is. And just this time of year tends to make it really, really hard to keep to that routine, which is something, you know, with, with kids, you have to keep to a routine, but not nearly as rigidly as I do for my mental health. And I know one thing for Jennifer that she suffers from insomnia. So we've had to alter our sleep schedules a lot. I'm not sure about how the holidays do for you or for any of you listeners out there, but we go to bed at around nine o'clock every night. And that is a health issue for us because Jennifer gets insomnia, which is linked to her anxiety. So as long as we're sleeping and we we have a regular sleep schedule, we're good. And that affects what we can do traveling. That affects what we can do for fun. It affects what we can do to decompress because this time of year, we tend to use a lot of candles and meditation and we make ourselves have uh, what we call quiet time at night where sometimes we'll just put on soothing music because everything messing with our routine so much we have to take extra self-care and sometimes quiet time for me is last night it was playing Wildstar because I'd been around people all day and I needed to do something that was just by myself that wasn't straight up sitting a lot of times it's not that but it's always going to bed at around the same time so that we make sure that we feel okay and going and traveling and being out till 11 or midnight is normal for some people. And that can, the holidays can really, really mess with us for that. So we have to accommodate th- for that in different parts of our lives. Do you guys do anything like that? Uh, no, we have kids. I mean, that's, so, well, that's I mean, the do answer. They have like... to get in, do they have to get in by a certain time or they start, you know, be, I know kids can get cranky. I'm not sure about about yours, but do they have? Do you have to make sure that you get home for them at any given time that affects the travel, or make anything, any kind of plans around their schedules like that? Yeah, I mean, as soon as their schedules get thrown off, then it becomes a lot more work. But uh, again, they're above the age where it's like a huge issue. Like when they're little yeah. little kids, if you throw off like a two year old schedule, you're <laughs> you're in yeah. for a rough time for like weeks until you get them back on that um but yeah i don't know my my son is an early riser my daughter is a night owl so it's it's kind of like if he stays up as soon as he gets home he'll crash which is easy yeah and then for her she has no problem staying up but then she'll sleep in the next morning so it it depends on like if she has school the next day and then that changes things um yeah i don't know a lot of the day is just structure around school and making sure they get to bed at a decent enough time that they get up okay and all that kind of stuff but we try not to throw off the schedule i don't i don't know like we we don't really think about our own schedule much it's mostly about the kids you know like we don't sleep a whole lot but that's just part of being a parent we probably get six hours a night for the last six years now roughly yeah which is not bad not bad at all and it, it keeps getting slowly better like i said but no i mean we don't do a whole lot of craziness for their schedule yeah, I wasn't sure because we have to do a lot for hours just out of self-care. So I wasn't sure out of the kids and stuff like that if you had to actually make sure that that they were sticking to a holiday schedule. Because now that you know they're going to school doing all of this, I didn't know how that was affecting them changing into a holiday schedule, then going back and transferring, transitioning back and forth. Yeah, you don't really transition their schedule. You just keep it the okay. same. Like otherwise, you're just setting yourself up for failure. Like you just try to keep a kid's schedule the same as long as you possibly can without touching okay. it 
Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Well, that's probably about it for holiday stuff. If you want to send a holiday present to us, you can always rate us and review us on iTunes, which is <laughs> always nice. I see everyone, and it's appreciated. Um, geeky sponsor of the week. Geeky, we don't have a sponsor yet. Geeky offer of the week. Uh, we have Audible Trial still set up, so audibletrial.com slash geek to geekcast I'm going to recommend a book this week, The Martian. Yes. So, uh, oh, it's so good. my favorite book from last year. I think it came out last year. Maybe it was the year before. It's one of my favorite books. It was books. the year before. It's really, really good. The book is fantastic. The audiobook is fantastic. And the movie's good. But all three of them are very different experiences. And I think my favorite version of it is actually the audiobook because the whole, almost all of the story is told through like these logs that are done on the mission on Mars. And having the person say the logs to you as if they're recording them at the time is really, really cool. So I'm going to recommend The Martian as an awesome book recommendation. So you guys can get a free audiobook, right? If they go to yes. audio. Yeah, audibletrial.com slash geek to geekcast um, With that, it's probably time for our weekly geekery, which if you don't know, it's where we talk about what we've been geeking out about this week. I am going to talk about Final Fantasy 15, but I will do it at the very end after everything else. So if you don't want any spoilers at all, don't worry yet. Um, so why don't you start? Well, like I said a couple of times, I've been playing Wildstar, and that is because of Gigi Chestnut on Twitter, who is absolutely fantastic. I've been seeing her post things on uh, on Twitter a lot and screenshots, and I just decided I was going to give it a shot. I was either going to play this one or Elder Scrolls Online, and after installing both, I chose Wildstar, and it is close enough to World of Warcraft in terms of stylized graphics, doing all of that, that I that I think it's that it, it's something that is very comfortable for me to fall into but it's so different it's like a firefly meets uh i don't even know it's just this gritty westernish star warsy kind of of setting and i love it so far it's very actiony there's a lot of dodging and rolling and it's a very active combat system, unlike, say, Final Fantasy XIV, where one of the reasons I didn't want to go back to it necessarily is because it is a little bit of a slower game. So Wildstar is keeping me wa- with what I wanted in terms of a quick-paced RPG where I can just explore and do different things. So it's been fantastic. Like I have been just having a wonderful time doing this, and it is the only free-to-play MMO that I've ever played that doesn't feel like a free-to-play MMO. There is, I have not noticed a single restriction on me logging in and playing that like I have any other game that I looked at what signature players get. That's the paid players. And it's not, you get more cosmetic stuff. You get a few bonuses in terms of experience and, and, and currency, but as a new player, especially it is not restrictive and there has been nothing, there's no cordoning off of content and that is making me really, really, really happy. And so I can't, I can't recommend Wildstar enough after just playing it for about a week now. And I found a good guild because of Chestnut. They're fun people to play with, and that always makes MMOs better for me. Even though I'm tend, I tend to be playing this as a single player game for the most part. I'm just chatting with people. Um, also, we got a Roomba this week, and it is the best thing in the world. I am a slob, like. People don't understand how messy I am. My wife and I are clutterbugs, and we are we we have to take cleaning breaks just to be able to you know not 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 filthy, but we have a lot of clutter, and we have a, a large open house and a very sheddy dog, and so we 
can't keep up with how much she sheds. So we bought a Roomba, and it's supposed to be this labor-saving device where, you know, you press a button, it sweeps and gathers things for you, gathers up all the dust and stuff, and it works fantastically. It, it, it made our house clean for our friendsgiving must that we had yesterday. It was great, but it didn't save any labor because we just sat and watched the thing. <laughs> like... We just stared as it went around the house and we've started referring to it as like as though it's a sentient creature or at least a a, a critter with awareness that it can hear us. And we're like, no, what are you going over there for? Don't get yourself trapped. No. And we started naming it. We named it Pig. Like we named the Roomba Pig because Jennifer, it was in the hallway and she stopped it because it was clean enough. We thought it was about to stop itself. And she just went, all right. That'll do, pig. And we were like, yep, we're going to name it Pigs. And we've been referring to it as Piggy and things like that. It's, we're crazy people. And I love it. Like, this thing, it is worth every single penny because it legitimately works. Our house is clean and our floors are clean because of this. And it gets up, like, massive. Like, I call Leia the dog apocalypse because she just goes out and, like, you can't see anything but fur. It is it's wonderful. Get a Roomba if you have a house that's suited for it. I know you've said your house wouldn't work for it, which is a tragedy. Yeah, parts of the house would. Maybe like our downstairs would work for it, but uh, I don't know. It hasn't become... We've thought about it, but it hasn't gotten to the point where like, when we looked at it, it was worth the money because last right. time I checked, they were pretty expensive. I don't know if that's still yeah, the case. We, we, it was fairly expensive. We ended up getting a... I think we paid around... We paid like $330 for it, but it was on a Black Friday deal where we got $90 back, and then we're asking for you know people just chip in on the on the Roomba uh, for Christmas, and that's what we got ourselves for Christmas. We're not oh, doing expensive Christmas gifts this year. So in one day, we let it run yesterday was the first day that we did it uh, when we have people over, or the day before, excuse me. It is our, it's worth every penny. I can honestly say that we, uh, we're we going to have a schedule for it, and it is worth every single penny to have a tiny robot made cleaning my house for me. It is every penny that you can have if it is something that you guys... And there are off-brand ones, too, that we were looking at that just didn't do the things that we needed it to do that would have been perfect for either a smaller house or something like that because ours is so open that a single room Roomba or a single room robot wouldn't have worked because it never would have cleaned anything because it would get lost and wouldn't be able to keep up with it. Cool. Cool. It sounds fun. You have to tell me more about it as you get used to it. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. That video I ended up sending you, that was the very first moment that we turned it on. I was just like, ah, I have to record it. And I sent it to you because I'm like, there's a robot in my house and it's (laughs) not killing me. It was awesome. It's our, I welcome our robot overlords if they're going to clean for us. If they're going to clean. Yeah. For me, um, I finished Catalyst this week. So that's the Star Wars book. That's the prequel to Rogue One, basically. And it's not great. Like, I wouldn't recommend it to most people. <laughs> I mean, for me, uh, it was worth it because I'm very completionist with the Star Wars expanded universe novels. And I, yes. especially now that they reset it and I'm totally up to date, I'm not going to miss one now. So it was worth it to me to finish it. But it's not a book I would actually recommend to like 
anybody really it's not that great it's just a setup for two of the characters that are in rogue one and it's not even like those main characters you see it's galen who's um jen's father jen is the main character of rogue one and then um krennic who is that imperial guy in white that you see in the trailers oh okay yeah it's the two of them and it's it's just setting up them as characters and their backstory and it doesn't do a whole lot else besides that um i know next week i think we're going to talk rogue one like are some theories and like what we know from yes. trailers and stuff so i'll i'll keep the catalyst spoilers for then but just know like if you're on the fence about it probably don't like if, if you know you absolutely right. are going to read everything star wars ever like me go ahead and get it but if you're not in that position it's easily one that you can skip like you're not missing a whole lot and i'm actually starting it today i grabbed the audiobook from overdrive at the library and so i'm going to be starting to listen to it today while i work and I don't care if it's a bad book. That, that That's weird to say because I actually want to know about these characters that I've been really interested in who Galen is and some of the fan theories that I've seen. And so I want to see how it leads up to Rogue One because, and we'll talk about this next week, I am excited for Rogue One and I'm also not excited for Rogue One. So it's, this is my way of pushing myself into being like, okay, yes, this is the world that I want to be in. I need to see Rogue One on opening night because I'm going to, but I don't feel the push like I did for Force Awakens. So Catalyst is going to be my catalyst, really. Very aptly named. Do you have your tickets yet? No, actually, I'm going to buy them today, I believe. Oh, nice. Good luck. I hope you can still get them for the first night at this point. I think our the way our town is, I don't think I'm going to have a problem. Okay, cool. Um, besides that, Final Fantasy 15. unless you have anything else. No, no, that was what I was doing. I, I just want to sit back and listen to you talk about Final Fantasy 15. Okay, I can do that for a while. And then you can, if you have questions, let me know. Um, So I'm not oh, going to go into the story spoilers here at the beginning. I'm going to talk about kind of structure and gameplay for a while. So if you're okay with finding out about that, listen. And then if I do talk about plot, I will let you know before I get to the story. Because I don't want to spoil that for anyone who doesn't want to be spoiled. But yeah, if you don't want anything about Final Fantasy 15, this is the point where you pause the podcast and come back at a later date after you finished it. Um. So this is one where I started it and I didn't love it. It's kind of weird. Like I, I wanted to like it and I didn't at first. And the problem was I started just nitpicking all of these game design and gameplay decisions that they made. And I felt like I had to get my head around the systems and the gameplay and like get all of these nitpicks out of the way. And then I could start to enjoy it. And I did like I really like the game, especially by the time I finished it. This is way up there with Final Fantasies for like where I would rank it in my Final Fantasy rankings. It's probably in the top couple for me. It's not right at the top. Final Fantasy nine is still there because it's very special to me. But um, it, it's way up there. But the thing is, like, before I can talk about the good points, I need to get out all of these things that really bugged me about the game. OK, if that's OK with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is actually what I want to know about is the cool thing the 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 good stuff is is wonderful and like i i want to hear all about that too but i do want to know about the nits that you have to pick because i i lost interest in final fantasy 15 when i found out about all of the dlcs that the way that they were handling a lot of the systems and, and things like that i just kind of eh and it didn't push i didn't push for it anymore so i would like to know what is bad about it to know if those are the things that I can't stand in a Final Fantasy game. Okay, so the combat never really clicked with me. Like, even in the end, it, it's very simple 
and it's not challenging and it doesn't actually require you to use most of the different things that they put into it you can basically hold r1 which locks on and hold circle and you'll just win and the only thing you'll have to do is just make sure you have enough items so you can heal yourself it like the entire game items are completely overpowered like a potion will almost always heal you to full in the end game a high potion will heal you to full and you'll have plenty of money to have a hundred of each of those and then you can just get a hundred elixirs and a hundred high elixirs like they're not that much money you know by the time you get to mid game end game so as long as you're stocked up on that's items, typical though well not necessarily usually i have elixirs that i haven't touched all game because they're so powerful that i want to save them for the last boss mm. and then i forget about them and don't don't use them anyway this i'm talking about like you can have your inventory maxed out with them and still have plenty of money left over like oh okay and you can just liberally use them throughout a fight like as your guys get knocked down or get damaged or whatever you just like items will get you through every single fight in the game besides that all you have to do is like hold circle and circle will just it'll keep attacking with whatever weapon you have and you can switch weapons but I'd never found that you really needed to. I mean, you can if you want for, like, style, but you don't have to. And once you find a weapon that's really powerful and good and you understand the timing of it, like, I didn't find a need to switch off of it almost ever. Like, unless you wanted okay. it to look different. So the combat became simple. I mean, if you wanted to use the magic, you could. But I didn't use magic, like, the entire game because it always felt like a waste of time when I could have something better equipped to make my stats go up. Yeah. The, the magic takes the place of your weapons in your like little selection thing you can only have four things equipped for that so i always wanted weapons instead because the weapons will give you stats even if that weapon isn't currently equipped so i would always go with ones that improve like yeah i'd always go with three weapons purely for stats that i wouldn't ever use and then i would get one weapon that was really like powerful for attack and that i liked the like the timing of and then that was the only weapon i would actually use in combat and it works just fine. Like, I beat the game very quickly with it. Um, so the combat never really clicked with me. And there, there are little things like when you parry, it's not... You don't always get a prompt when you can dodge or when you can parry. Whereas in a game with combat that I did like that's similar, something like the Batman games, like the Arkham games, you know, where you can hit buttons to attack. Yeah. And then you get little prompts to either dodge or parry or, like, reverse attack, things like that. In Final Fantasy fifteen sometimes you'll get a prompt but sometimes you won't and you just have to watch the enemies to dodge and it's so inconsistent that it felt like it it felt like they couldn't decide which way to go with it you know it's like you either should have been prompted every time or never and like one is more dark soulsy i guess where you never get prompted and you just have to keep an eye on things and then the other one is more like batman-y where everything prompts you and you can be like perfect in a fight this is somewhere in the middle and i didn't like how it felt so the combat didn't click with me even till the end of the game. Um, it got a little bit better in Endgame, but not a whole lot. Besides that, it, this is the first open world game for Square's, like for this studio for a Final Fantasy game, and it really shows a lot of things that you'll see in the first attempt at an open world um, happen here, where it's just not quite right in a lot of little ways that are hard to put your finger on. But I mean, the open world feels pretty empty compared to most modern games that you're used to. Like if you're you know used to like a an Ubisoft game or Assassin's Creed where there's things to do literally everywhere. Or if you're wor- used to a game like Fallout or Skyrim where you can just wander for a little bit and you organically run into a bunch of interesting things, that won't happen here. 
Like you have to pick up the quest that will kind of direct you to the interesting spots. But if you don't go out of mm. your way and pick up the quests, it looks like you're just driving on the road and nothing really interesting happens. The whole open world with the road is kind of the first half of the game, I would say. Um, and that's the like the road trip part that they've really pushed in all the advertising. And it's just that part. Sometimes it feels like the worst parts of MMOs and the worst parts of Ubisoft open world games kind of jam together. <laughs> and uh, besides that, like or along those lines, I guess the side quests are uninspired. Almost all of them are like kill 10 things or kill five things. You know, like the hunts are just kill this certain amount of things. Go to this spot and kill things or go find some things. Yeah. You know, it's like the standard hunt and fetch quests that are you're Which, used to. For some reason, they work. They work for me in MMOs. I don't mind those. But when I get those in a single player RPG like that, I really start hating them. I'm like, you have so many different mechanics that you could have put into this game, but you didn't. And you fell back on something so simple for side quests to just add in content. And I get super irritated at that, for especially for open world games like that. Yep. And also, you can only have one active quest at a time. So you can only see one quest marker at a time. So you could have five that are all in the same area that you could complete. But if you don't actively go back to your quest log every time you complete something and search for it, you can easily miss that and have to travel back and forth in the car a ton of times to go to the same area just because it's not Ugh. obvious. Yeah. Um, Square Enix does that kind of stuff all the time and it just makes me want to punch them in the face and all of this is like that road trip idea of traveling around in the car but it just needs work you know like the the idea is there but parts of it just need work and there's so much wasted time in the car where nothing happens and at first it's okay because like you're mm. going to new areas of the map and the first time that you come over like you know a hill and you see this really cool vista and you see the world that you're going to explore you're like oh wow that's sweet but after you've gone to everywhere once, which doesn't take you that long in the car, you know, it travels around pretty fast. The next time you see it, you're like, oh, yeah, there's that hill again. There's that vista again. Oh, yeah, there's that lake. Like, it just becomes like you're mm. just going over the same area over and over. And it gets to the point where fast travel helps because they do have some fast travel, but they don't have fast travel to everywhere. So it gets annoying. Like, if you need to go to this place, is it better to pick a location near it to fast travel and then go there? Or is it better to just set your car because the loading times take forever and just let your car drive there? So I found myself setting the destination a lot and it would say like six minute drive and then I would start the car and I would walk away and I would go make a sandwich or something. Like I would just let the game play itself while I was away from it because Ignis will drive for you. So Ignis drove me oh. all over the place while I was doing other stuff. Like I would take the car as a chance to check Twitter and make food, check on my kids, you know, like take some medicine because I've been sick all week, which is the reason that I actually played all of this. But yeah, there, there's a ton of just downtime. And like if the characters talked in the car more and they had more dialogue and like character development, it would be one thing because that could be really cool. Like that would fit this game. Like the road trip thing, it really does have that feel to it. But there's all this wasted time in the car where they could be talking and like improving the characterization of them. And instead, right. like sometimes Gladio just pulls out a book because he's bored too. You know? Oh my god, they actually make them bored enough to read in the car. Yes, yes, exactly. So that bugs me. Um, other things like the camera framing is not cinematic when it's in engine for any of these side quests. Like the main quest is one thing, but 
the side quests, the, like the camera framing when you're talking to NPCs or accomplishing objectives, it's not good. Um, the camera, sometimes in combat, you just feel like you're fighting the camera, not the enemies, which is frustrating. The lips don't match up a lot of the time when it's in-engine. Again, when you're on the main quest, it's usually fine, but when you're doing anything else, it doesn't really match up. Um, and then... Is in terms of like the structure of the story, I'm not going to talk plot here, but the f- like the second half of the main story feels rushed, and it feels like I mean it, it feels completely different than the first half. But the second half of the game has this feel like it was planned to be so much more. You go oh, to all yeah. of these areas that aren't your first open world area, and it seems like the plan was maybe for each of these other places you visit to be an entire other open world area where you can take the car around and have a whole nother like road trip there. And it's not. They're very linear. It's very much you visit, you do one thing, and then you move on. And it's just kind of like it's a continuation of the trip but it's not open anymore. You know, it's not open at all. And it doesn't ever get to the point of Final Fantasy 13 where it's just corridor after corridor after corridor. It's not bad like that. Good. But there's no exploration in the same way there is in the first half of the game. I mean, at one point you visit somewhere and even the name, like the title of the chapter makes it seem like this should be a fully explorable city, but it's not. It's like one outcropping above the city where you can look down on it. It's a lot of little things like that that make it seem like they had very ambitious plans for the second half that just never got done. Besides that, every character who's not one of the main party of four feels very underdeveloped. Um, The person who's developed probably the most besides them is the main antagonist, which is good in a way, but a lot of other characters are introduced and are gone without you ever learning very much about them or caring. So it's kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, that character is gone. And then the other thing in terms of structure, chapter 13 is really bad. Like, it just, it's bad. It's the only chapter that I was totally breaks the flow of the game. I pushed through it because obviously I was going to finish the game. But if there's any chapter that will hold me up replaying this game, it's chapter 13. So if you get there, just know you just have to push through. And then the other chapters after that are fine. So that's kind of, those are my major gripes. Those are my nitpicks that I had to get out of the way. Do you have any questions about those before I get into like the reasons that I actually really like this game? Well, I want you to go back when you get into spoilers. I want you to tell me what, you've mentioned chapter 13 a couple of times, and I want to know what it is. Okay, we'll talk about story at the very end then. Okay, and I also just want to comment on the combat. I want to know, okay, so I've played, I finally got around, Austin let me play the episode Duskei, 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 I don't even know how to play it, the first demo that they did, and then I played the Platinum demo, and they had refined the combat into the Platinum demo, but I still didn't like it. What did they change in terms of the combat from that? Because I didn't like it. I did not want, the combat wasn't where I wanted it to be, so what is there, like, I didn't... There's not much. I mean, the answer is there's not much. It's it's very similar. Like it's refined a little bit more, but the core of it is exactly the same. Like, okay, so that's if, what if I was you curious didn't like about. It, you're probably still not going to like it. Yeah, because it felt like it felt like the Walmart brand of Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, it feels like they took Kingdom Hearts and they twisted it in a new way that made it. I feel like they want anybody to be able to beat this game. But because of that, the combat is overly simple, but also not explained enough. It's kind of a weird middle ground i don't know i just it didn't click with me i told you it never clicked with me even after beating the game yeah and i beat the game in like 36 hours and i put another i'm right around 50 hours right now 
um, in terms of like post game content. So like, mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time with this game. I I really do like it though. Um, when the like the four main characters when they are interacting, this game is at its best. Basically, right. like they are very like fully realized, and there are all these moments you can trigger by staying at camping sites or just like staying at hotels and stuff, where the characters will just talk to each other at night or like play a game together or have some unique interaction that's really really cool, and it adds to the character and it adds to the flavor of the game, and it makes all four of them feel more fully realized. And characters that, like, at the beginning of the game, Prompto was very annoying to me. And by the end of the game, he's my favorite character. Like, I think Prompto is really, really cool. Like, the characters and, like, the epicness of the story really sold it for me in terms of Final Fantasy-ness. And despite this game kind of being, it's kind of an ambitious mess, you know? It feels like it was <laughs> yeah. caught in development hell, where they have all of these ideas, and some of them are fully fleshed out, and other ones are barely touched on, and then they just kind of let it go. Because you can just tell that there were too many cooks in the kitchen. Like, so many people have touched this game over such a long time that it felt like they just needed to get it out there so they could move on to the next game. And mm. it plays like that sometimes. But like I said, it all kind of coalesces into this beautiful mess. And by the end of the game, I really, really like the game. Like, I got over my nitpicks. All of those things I said before are true. Despite that, I kind of love this game. It's very high on my Final Fantasy rankings. Um, the progression system is really good, despite not liking the combat. Like, the the mix of skill trees and experience points and, like, the ability points... I loved the way the progression is handled in here. It always felt like there was something to push forward and it it always felt meaningful to unlock like a new thing with your ability points, which was really cool. And then to actually apply experience you get, you have to camp or sleep at a hotel. So you never are going to stop the flow of your day to fiddle around in menus for very long. It, See, and I hate the idea of this. It's that really cool, is... though. It's it's one of the really good parts because it makes you take a break and actually just spend time with your characters. Well, taking the time with your characters is cool. It's the not being able to level up because I really I've always liked being able to get a new ability in the middle of a dungeon or something like that and be able to just start using it immediately instead of having to go back and wait. It may have been Skyrim. and I can't remember the game it was. But there was the the last game I played that did that. Like, I hated the having to sleep to get experience. That that was one thing to apply it. Like, I just, I've never liked that system in anything I've ever played. And it feels really good in this one. Like, because you actually take time to be with the other characters and, like, interact with them and just take a break from the constant like combat and questing and stuff. I don't I don't know why it feels so different, but I, I know what you mean. Like in other games it's made me frustrated too, and in this one it didn't frustrate me at all. I thought it was actually a really inspired design decision after seeing okay. it in the context of the game. And the dungeons in this game are some of the best dungeons I've ever seen in any game. Like the dungeon design and the way that they do lighting and atmosphere is just astonishing it's amazing you know and the things that the characters say and kind of organically do in the dungeon make it feel more real i feel like any game that has dungeons after this really needs to measure up against final fantasy 15's dungeons because they all feel like dungeons but they all feel unique and it's not just oh this is the ice level this is the fire level this is the wind level you know like so many others go to um a lot of them that's what i was wondering about when you told me this because all i all i could think of was the uh the the ice level you have the dark like necromancer with purple lights dungeon just things like that the generics 
Yeah, and it doesn't feel like that. I mean, everyone, it doesn't feel like they've just swapped the tile set. It feels like every dungeon is handcrafted in just a fantastic way. I can't even describe it because you actually have to play through the dungeons. But if you look at any footage of the game where you can see the lighting, you can kind of see the atmosphere of the dungeon, you'll start to understand part of it. You actually have to play through them to get the full feeling. But the dungeons in this game are just, they're amazing. I love them. Um, The music is great, just like all Final Fantasies, basically. But this soundtrack is way up there in terms of like where I would rake soundtracks, probably. Um, Yeah, the, the soundtrack really like hit me hard, especially towards the end of the game. It gets really good. And they also let you pick up CDs of all the other Final Fantasy soundtracks that you can play in the car when you're driving around. And I thought that was really cool. That is really, really cool. Like, you told me that, and I was like, that is, that's a great idea. Yeah, so I was cruising around listening to the Final Fantasy IX soundtrack a lot while I was playing, and that was really fun for me. And I don't, I don't know, something about the conglomeration of everything this game is, even with the nitpicks in it, um, I I liked it. Like, I liked it a lot. By the end of it, by the end of the story, by the end of the plot, like, coming to just accept this game for what it is instead of feeling bad about all of these things that it isn't or all the places that it fell down, I think the more I play the game and the more I think about the game, the more I like it. Whereas normally with a game, if I have this many nitpicks, the more I play it and the more I think about it, the more I dislike it. And right. That was really weird for me. Um, I really, really, really want a new game plus. That's the thing I came away from this game with the most is that I would love a new game plus because now I can go back and accept the game for what it is instead of what I want it to be and just enjoy it for that. And I bet the second time through, I'm going to like this game even more. I'm trying to think on how how to phrase this question about that. So with there not being a new game plus... And you're talking about replaying through it. Do you think you're going to get frustrated at the at not being able to be as powerful as you were at the end? Because that gets me sometimes when I restart an RPG like this, where it's combat based in real time, where when you're used to doing the stuff at the end, like restarting and having to go through the very low level stuff. Do you think that's going to be an issue this time since it's not a new game plus? Or are you going to hold out hope for that one before you play it again? Well, I saw that they announced that they are going to patch new game plus in. So I'm okay. I'm not going to replay the whole thing until that happens because I, I wouldn't want to start from scratch and have to deal with like powering up again, especially by doing all the side quests that you have to do. Like I'm not I, I don't really want to dive into the side quests, you know, again because yes. i already did like everyone in the game basically except for some of the very end game stuff which i'm still picking away at by the way end game is kind of fun like you get access to oh that's kind of a spoiler you get access to a lot <laughs> of things in the end game um maybe maybe we should get into full spoiler territory here because you wanted to hear about maybe the story so. too so and i want to hear about some of the story and uh oh yeah so this is full spoiler territory now um for everything so at the end of the game after you beat the game you can go back and you can turn your car into an airship and that gives you access to more areas and there's a secret dungeon that you can only get to after you have the airship and it's like a platforming dungeon that's really really cool and it was super frustrating and super rewarding at the same time and i had a ton of fun with it basically it kicks the other three characters out of your party and it's just noctis and you just do platforming and if you can make it to the end of it which took me like hours and i'm good at platformers guys (laughs) took me hours to get to the end of this dungeon you pick up an item called the black hood which makes it so noctis will always automatically dodge if he's able to and 
it was really, really fun because you can just stand there not touching anything and you basically won't get hurt unless you're going up against like a super tough enemy. But it was really cool. Um, I liked that a lot. And then I also liked just like there's a giant adamantoise at the end of the game, which I haven't beaten yet, but I took a look at it. It's like a world boss basically at the end. Oh, okay. And then there's there's one other thing where in every single dungeon, when you get towards the end, you're almost to the boss of the dungeon in the main story. Um, there are these like secret giant doors that are locked that you can find if you go just a little bit off the beaten path. After you beat the game, you can go and talk to this lady who gives you a key to actually open those. And you can go do basically like the hard version of bosses for these dungeons. And those are end game content that's really fun. Oh, and that's already in there. That's already in there. Yeah, it's in there. You just can't do it until you beat the game. But yeah, did what did you want to know about the story? I want to know about what is so terrible about chapter 13. Oh, chapter 13. I know. And I know what happens at the end of the game, and I've heard about that already. I know the, mo- not full spoilers, but I know things. But I really want to know about Chapter 13. Okay, so up until then, you are, like, with, you're always with other characters, even if some of them drop in and out, and sometimes you get guest characters, but you're always with other people. Right. Chapter 13 puts Noctis completely on his own, and it puts him into, it's like a castle tower end game type of thing that you have to work through it, right. it is pure corridors it's it's like final fantasy 13 all over <laughs> again it's just quarter after corridor and you have to you can't run like you have to walk because it makes you even if you hold down the button to run he walks slightly faster so you're better off trying to like roll or like you know like use your attack to go faster and they try to turn it into a horror game like jump scares happen things jump out at you or like grab onto you and you don't get your normal weapons so you can't just attack them you do eventually towards the end of the chapter but for most of it you only have this ring that gives you a new magical ability that like it's just gives you the death spell basically Uh, and It doesn't cast instantly. You have to just hold the button while you, like, suck the essence out of someone until they die. It takes forever. So it completely breaks the pace and the tone of the rest of the game, and you're stuck in corridors walking for, like, three hours. Ew. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. That sounds awful. It's bad. I do not like that chapter at all. It's see, the tone of it, the shift to being on your own without your weapons, without your companions, I get that in terms of a story beat. But it does not need to be three hours of that. It could have been half an hour of it, and it would have felt just about right. You know, it would have given you the sense of, oh, it sucks to be on my own. It sucks to not have my abilities, to not have, like, my friends. But instead of that, they make it just drag on forever. And that's the kind of thing in a game that when I'm playing, those kinds of areas have made me stop playing RPGs before. Where yeah. they're just, they drag on and on and on. Where I, I know that I can power through it, and I know I'll do it, but I'll do it later. And I always come back in a couple of weeks after, or maybe even a day or two, where I've had the time away where I'm just like, all right, I'm going to power through this. I like this game enough that I'm going to get to the end of it. Yeah, I I don't know. I I just, I really like Final Fantasy XV, but it's like, I have to put all of those nitpicks in there because I don't think this game is for everyone. You know, they say Mm. it's a game for like, every time you boot it up, it's something like a Final Fantasy for fans and newcomers, something along those lines. They, they really want it to appeal to everyone. But I think that if you're used to a lot of modern games, a lot of things in this one might piss you off. So I can't just say, oh, it's amazing. It's Final Fantasy. Everyone should play it, which I wish I could, but I can't. Like, that's not genuine, you know? 
I love it despite the things that are annoying about it. And like I said, if I come through and I play a new game plus, I bet I'm going to love it even more because now I know what the game is. I know what to expect and I can just accept it for its own merits instead of comparing it against every other game on the market, which is what I was kind of doing this time through it. And that's understandable with the hype that it's had with as much as we've waited for it and the way that they have changed the development cycle of it so much. It's normal for you to compare to all of that, even though it honestly at the core, a lot of the nitpicks that you do have are remnants of the older game mechanics from when it started development, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, it was developed for 10 years. Like, I Uh kind of expected things like this to show up, but there are so many little touches that I didn't even talk about that just make it really cool. Like, Prompto takes photos. He's constantly taking photos, and every time you rest, you get to look at all the photos he's taken for the day. Ah, cool. It's really cool. Like, it gives your characters a little bit more life, a little bit more personality. You know, sometimes they take selfies together or he gets a really cool angle in a battle things like that oh Um, cool ignis cooks for you every time you camp out you know so cooking is almost like a mini game finding ingredients and coming up with new recipes and every time you eat as a group you get stat boosts for the next day and okay it's just like there's so many little touches with the main cast of four characters as they go through the story that make them feel more like complete people and i like it a lot i mean one of the times i stopped at i don't even remember like a, a trailer for to sleep for the night or a hotel and they're like hey do you want to play i think it's called king's something king's quest or king's something and yeah i can't remember what it was called yeah and you know you think that like all the characters are going to play a game together they'll get out like cards or something that's typical in a game but instead it shows them at night set up around the camp and they're playing on their cell phones they're playing some kind of cell phone <laughs> game together like you know it's these little touches that just sell it and i really really like the game um, I'm still doing endgame content, and like I said, when the new game plus comes, I'll probably play through the whole thing again. And I'll probably pick this up. I'm really hoping for a PC adaptation, because I don't have a PS4, obviously, or I'm waiting on like a DLC bundle for whenever I do get a PS4 to get like the game of the year bundles and the or a cheap collector's edition or however they put it all together. Yeah, I'd be really interested in, to see what you think, just because it's Final Fantasy. But yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a very worthy entry from the Final Fantasy series. I like it a lot. I'm going to replay it at some point. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, and I'm, I have no doubt that I will play through it because Kingsglaive got me into the story where I really cared about these characters. And not just Kingsglaive, Brotherhood animes did as well, where I care about them and I want to see where the story goes. And the end of it seems very interesting to me from what I've seen. I want to see how it gets there. So I I will play this as when I'm able to be able to put that time in and it not be a huge financial burden like buying an entirely new system for it would be (laughs) yeah for sure cool well i think that's enough about final fantasy 15 but i had to get all of that out because like i said i was sick and i was at home and my wife told me to just sit and rest so i was sitting resting and playing final fantasy 15 for basically just the last week and that's about all i did um i had to talk about it after beating it because it's final fantasy Well, it gave all of our listeners a two-topic podcast this week, so yay! Basically, yeah. Cool. With that, uh, you can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have the longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. And if you want to get email updates about our network's podcast, you can sign up at geek2geekcast.net and tell us which ones you want updates about. 
I blog almost daily at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beej. That's Beej with two E's. And I blog and podcast at geekfitness.net, which you can also find on all social networks as at geekfitnesscast. We've been Void and Beej with your Geek Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.